Bear Down Bears fans getting ready for another game. I know, right? Stressful. But we got Courtney Cronin in the building to break down what we have to look ahead to versus this Denver Broncos team that also seems kind of abysmal. I mean, Courtney, are we heading towards uh, what, what they call the toilet bowl here? Is that the game that we're about to play on Sunday? It's interesting, and I think you and I may have talked about this before, that this game could be so bad that it's entertaining. Um, (laughs) We know it's in the noon window and that it's contained, at least viewer-wise, to only a select group of fan bases and cities. But, you know, two teams that are in, frankly, relatively similar spots, even though if you you listen to Sean Payton's comments from the other day yeah. and what like how that contrasts to where the Bears are and what the mood around this Bears team is. Russell Wilson at the podium didn't look like Justin Fields. And yeah. maybe that's just that he's in his early 30s. He's been through this before. But if you're like looking at a tale of two franchises that have identical records, it feels at least from the perception of what Denver's putting out there that they feel like they're actually closer to getting out of this than what's coming across from the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I, I heard Fields press conference. I think Fields also just had a little bit of like, all right, last time I said something, the world exploded. I think I'm done talking for a little while. Which, you know, it, it, it I sucks. I get that, but, but, that, is, yeah. but like, I actually... The vibe I, from it. I wanted to like talk to you about that because like, and I know we have to preview the game and all of that. But hey, we can from, get to it. Pie, from yesterday, pie. I was... That was probably the worst body language I've ever seen from a starting quarterback going to the podium. And, Mm. you know, there can be a number of different factors for that. But this is someone put everything from last week aside where he was upset that he believes he was taken out of context. I've come on here multiple times and I've said I do not believe that that was the case. Right. Um, But for him to come out there. Like we heard that comment from him on Sunday where he talked about he was asked, you know, when it's a 31, you know, 30 plus point deficit at halftime, I think it was 34, and then you're trying to come back from that, what's your mindset? And he starts talking about the bigger picture and that he goes back to, you know, everything he went through last week, which, you know, was a self-inflicted firestorm, but that he was trying to focus on the little things in life and that he's happy he gets to go out there and play football. And I've said this multiple times. That sounds like the sign of someone who's really going through it and someone yeah. who might be teetering on the edge of needing a reset. And then to come out three days after that and to have that body language and that attitude at the podium where, you know, he's not always the most verbose and he's, yeah. you know, body language wise though, that's what you're putting out there to the national fan base, not just the people who are in there, media members that are, are covering you every day, but him coming out there yesterday as dejected, as quiet, as muted, as just miserable as he looked, he's the face of this franchise. That puts that image out that, okay, everybody must be feeling this way inside this franchise, which is a, look, being a franchise quarterback is a job that so many people want and so many, so few people can actually handle. And it's the hardest job in sports because even when things are terrible, you have to come out there and put off the perception that things are going in the right direction, that things are going to get back on track, that it's not the end of the world. His body language yesterday told you something completely different than that. And yeah, 
I appreciate the reality. Like sometimes when you hear Matt Eberflus talk, you you wonder, are we watching the same thing? Yeah. Are you just, this is clearly just coach speak, but man, I, I, Justin Fields is going through it. And you could see that yesterday versus what you get from Denver and Russell Wilson, who has a different approach because he has, he's, you know, a decade been doing this, you know, a long time. He's about yeah. 10 years older than Justin Fields. And I, I was kind of alarmed by that yesterday, just the way that he came out and looked so defeated and sounded so defeated. And, you know, was he going to be clipped in his answers? Yeah, because he feels like he was slighted last week. And that's his prerogative. But the energy and the tone around it was not what I was expecting three days after you were supposed to flush that loss to Kansas City and move forward. I think that even goes to the point of, you know, going leadership higher than that, right? I think that's the leadership that Matt Eberflus is putting out there. He's not talking. He's not giving any answers. And guess what? If, if if it feels like your head coach doesn't care, how much can you care? And to me, that's all I got from that press conference. You're not get, when I when you hear the contrast, the contrast for me that stood out was Sean Payton to Matt Eberflus. And I guess it's kind of a similar situation because Sean Payton, right? What, 15 years in the NFL, uh, as a head coach at this point now, you know what I mean? Like he's been a lead. He's won Super Bowls. He's got the moxie. But then you hear Flus and it's just like, hey, bro, you have no answers. That's why you're not answering these. Questions. It doesn't even feel like you don't have you're trying to just coach speak us, Bill Belichick us. Right. We're on to next week. Don't worry about it. It is what it is. It actually felt like I don't know how to answer this question because we haven't figured that part out yet. And I think that that's the part for me where I look at it and it's like, as a starting QB, now it's not an excuse to Justin for the play that we've seen from him, but as a starting QB, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch the All-22 yet, but if I'm going out there and I look at my coaches, then all I can go is, hey, can we scheme something open? Mm -hmm. Can anybody, like there's nothing downfield where anybody is finding their way into an open slot. We're not trying to get creative with this offense at all. We're playing uh, uh, high school football out here versus NFL professionals. I can kind of understand why you're coming out with the, hey, <laughs> I, I don't know either. You know, it is what it is. Very quick answers type of thing. And I just, I, I look at the leadership all the way up this thing. And it, again, it's why I asked the question, uh, I think when we were here on on uh, Tuesday, right? Like, at what point do we start to look at the adults in the room, which seem to just be Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren and say, hey, so what are we going to do about this? Because this shouldn't be acceptable through four weeks. And if you see a similar product from play calling to execution out there mm -hmm. on Sunday, then you're going to have that question only become more pressing at that point. And I'm not saying that they're going to start relieving people of duties or switching around who does what or, you know, altering who's calling plays, but the heat gets turned up on a lot of people's seats, including Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, after after this game, if they end up losing, because they've got a short week, they've got to go turn around, go to Washington for Thursday night football. And this is going to be a really, really tough, a tough stretch for them here if they can't get out of this hole, because there's four teams remaining that are 0-3. Six teams who have started 0-3 have made the playoffs of 251 teams who, yeah. who have gone through that over you know the course of NFL history. And that's really difficult. No one's thinking that this team's going to the playoffs, but this can this team go from 0 and 3 to 1 and 4 versus the one to 1 and 3 versus 0 and 4. Yeah. Like that's a very real issue that they're facing right now. And 
it'll be really interesting to see how Luke Getze wants to address that and wants to change things when we know how successful Miami was running against this Denver defense. You'd like to think this is going to be a very good opportunity for Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson. But again, like they haven't been able to do any of that in previous weeks. So we'll see if that's even part of the formula against uh, the Broncos. I guess that's the real question, right? Does a loss to Denver mean that this finally goes nuclear, right? Because we heard Peter King, he was on uh, 670 the other day and said, Justin Fields probably has a few weeks he's talking about before he ends up being benched, basically. Uh, If you're the Bears, you basically say, hey, listen, we always knew the biggest thing about this season is we need, by the end of 2023, we need to know who our quarterback will be for 2024. Does this go nuclear one way or the other? Is it nuclear where Justin Fields ends up sitting on the bench? Or is it nuclear in the sense where Ryan Pohl says you can't bench him because I'm not going to let you because, believe it or not, he's still got another year on his contract. You guys don't have to. They won't. Win or loss, nothing will happen one way or the other after week four. It's too early in the season. I know what the losing streak would be at that point if they do lose this game, but there's no way because that's too early to more or less give up on the season and give up on the guy that you chose to keep this year to build everything around instead of trading him, instead of using that number one overall pick. They have to see this thing through for a couple more weeks. But I had a conversation with an executive um, after the Bucks game. I was kind of just going through the exercise of looking at their schedule and pointed out a couple different dates. And I said, which looks like if you have to make a switch at quarterback, which date are you are you looking at on the schedule? And Okay, where the first question they asked me, what when is their bye week? And I was like, not till week 13. So that makes it really tough because you can't yeah. obviously, like if you have to wait all the way to week 13 and things are bad, that means things are going to be bad until yeah. that point. And that's early December. That's, a, that's two and a half months away. It's a really long time to wait. But then on top of that, there's just not a great point in the schedule to make a change if you have to. I get where he's coming from and he's right fields like this is he's five and 22 right now as a starter. They've seen enough of a sample size to know that if he doesn't get on track it on track, he probably won't not at least with this iteration of the team and this offense that you have him operating. But the fortunate thing for the team, they have moments where they can mini reset, which is between week five and week six, which is about 10 days there. And then, Week 10 is that November 9th game against the Carolina Panthers, a Thursday night game at Soldier Field. If I were to guess, if things, let's just project this out, if things were going the same way that they are right now, Field is struggling, it doesn't look like it's clicking with him as the answer to this offense, that's the sweet spot where you could look to actually make a change at quarterback because I just, I do, to do it this early in the season, you could you could see a quarterback. That, I mean, you can't ever go back. Like yeah, you once you do it, it's done. Once you switch it, he's done. And I wouldn't be surprised, just kind of knowing the situation about who represents him and you know where Justin Fields is in his career right now as a former number eleven overall pick. I wouldn't be surprised if they benched him at any point, really, if he was going to ask for a trade after that because he does not. Very clearly, he the system isn't meshing with what he does well. And he, at that point, if that did happen, he'd have to take his career into his own hands to try to get somewhere else so he could 
resurrect it and not wait too long because we've seen that happen where guys wait too long or, you know, take a look at all the situations that have panned out across the NFL, whether it's, you know, Sam Darnold trying to get a second lease on life and see how that worked out for him. And of course, Baker Mayfield's one that actually, at least as of right now, has made that work, but he's been on shaky ground too. Um, you know, throughout at that point from Cleveland to Carolina to the Rams to the Bucks, like not everybody has that luxury of being able to try it out at multiple different points of their career and multiple different teams. So these next couple of weeks are the, maybe the most critical weeks of Justin Fields career. I think that is fair to say. And I think that that's a situation that he's going to have to take very seriously in the coaching staff and front office is going to have to take very seriously about if things are this bad in a couple of weeks, they've got to make a decision one way or the other and stick with it. Are they tied to, to everyone in the staff throughout the season is the other question, right? Because there's a ton of, changes that we have shockingly seen this bears organization make over the last couple of years, right? An assistant GM was a surprise. A different president in the building was a big surprise. The bears have never fired anybody in season and Mm -hmm. and I'm not calling for it, but the job that we're seeing on the field, I mean, the bears literally are the worst defense in the NFL and the worst offense in the NFL. And that speaks to your head coach and your offensive play caller could we see them pivot off of either of those before this season is finished? It's hard. It's hard to project that because history has shown us that they haven't done that previously, but they also haven't had Kevin Warren in the mix. And that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back here where Ted Phillips as team president wasn't willing to make those calls. And I can't see it as far as like, if you know, with head with the head coach, and it's his defense. Like he's yep. got, he's got to take control of this defense, and it's smart in a way that he's going to end up calling it the rest of the way. Because if his job is on the line, he's got to be able to show, okay, <laughs> I can get a DC job somewhere else because, yeah. like, I'm capable of doing this. And there's a lot that rides on Matt Eberflus to turn this defense around because it's his scheme. And if you, and if it doesn't go well, then people will look at the Allen Williams situation, regardless of the resignation and all that and be like, okay, maybe it was on Eberflus this whole time. So I wouldn't be surprised if it just goes so South and it looks like last year, but worse in a couple months from now, could they, could they make a change, you know, be a couple weeks before the end of the season? Yeah. Um, kind of how like Denver did last year with Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, they could, but I don't, <laughs> true, I, I don't, about that. I don't see, I honestly don't see, I just, I keep thinking other options. Like who would they promote to like be head, the head, the interim head coach for a couple of weeks? Could it be a Richard Hightower? Could it be somebody else? Maybe, but no. I'm not entirely sold on that idea. Now, the one that is interesting though, Luke Getzey is play caller. And I just, this is all like just kind of just putting this, you know, emptying the matter from my brain and trying yeah. to sort it out, you know, if, if it doesn't go well this week, if it doesn't go well the next week, and if just it's, it's continual, like, and here's what we need to realize too just because they might win one game, if they, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean it went well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Denver's a really bad team too. But if, if it can, if this experiment with Getsy goes south, do they have an option? They could turn it over to Andrew Janoko, who's the yeah. quarterback's coach, but I just, I'm just, I don't see a lot of realistic possibilities with them making a switch 
to save to save the season because at that point the season's already lost. It's yeah. not like not like any sort of coaching changes are going to necessarily fix those things. The only thing you could see is that if this quarterback is not good and is struggling and it's just not a great fit in what you're asking him to do, you at some point will have no choice but to move on yeah. and to go to Tyson Bagent, to go to Nathan Peterman, whatever you want to do, because Fields is still under contract. If you want to trade him, you don't want to have him, you don't want to put out like 14 more games of him looking awful out there because yeah. then who's going to trade him unless you want to cut him. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these guarantees that you have to still pay for somebody who's drafted top 11. Um, gosh, they're, they're really in a pickle with a lot of that. Yeah. I, and I think that the, the, Going nuclear situation to me would spell, we want Justin Fields to be good. We can't keep letting you screw him up. Or we feel like he's better than what you've gotten. We need to get somebody else in there to get their hands on him. Because realistically, there is another year of Justin Fields. And I know that right half of the fan base is ready to move off of him. Half of the fan base believes that coaching is what's destroying his career. But I've seen a quarterback that I looked at and I was like, he is a god-awful quarterback. He doesn't know how to run an offense. He can't figure it out. The coaching staff that they have around him is just as bad. But I don't think he's the answer. And then Mike McDaniels walked in the door, and I looks like one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen throw the football left-handed. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, right, the only situation where I see where they move on maybe midseason from the play caller or the head coach either way, or they move on – Uh, uh, at the end of the season is if you actually believe that like, no, we think Justin's better than what we've seen from what you've done with him. We want to see in this last year, can somebody come in and fix him? And then we know what we've got. I, I sort of disagree with that though, because they've given like Ryan Poles never drafted Justin Fields. We've talked about this a lot. Every time he's talked about expectations for Fields or the commitment to Fields, he's never he's been very calculated in a, in the smartest way of like how to talk about this quarterback so he doesn't lock himself into somebody who could affect his career. Like yeah. he has the he will have the ability this offseason, regardless of how things go the rest of the way, to go draft a quarterback. They've got two first round picks. If things keep going the way they're going, they're going to be drafting in the top five. And I just, I don't think that, I don't know that Fields would get another chance next year. Might he still be on the roster if he doesn't demand a trade to go somewhere else? Sure. And he could have a chance that way. But I don't think that that's going to be realistic, um, that he gets another year and they bring in a whole new staff. No, there would be another quarterback in the mix there for for Ryan Poles to to evaluate yeah, if it's, yeah, yeah. like if that's if they end up drafting somebody. I think I think I could see that as well though. You know what I mean? I could see them going out say it's, you know, we're horrible this season. We're in a position for Caleb Williams or Shadur Sanders climbs up that that's, that's the one I want. I'm not going to lie. If I, if we have to move off Shadur cuz that offensive line that he's behind looks like ours. But anyway, uh if they I could see another quarterback being in the mix but in that, right, isn't that just worst-case scenario? Now you know where you stand with us. Go out there and perform. Because I don't think that this staff gets another opportunity. This isn't a this isn't a John Fox situation, or right, like we talked about the Bears cycle, where mm-hmm. you're going to get another quarterback to try and develop. I haven't seen you develop anything on this one. Yeah. In, in fact, I think he's gone backwards from where he started as a rookie. 
since he's been under you. And so for me, I look at that and I say, you're not going to get another shot. I'm going to bring in another play caller anyway. Maybe I do draft a QB. Maybe I don't. But if Justin's on the roster, right, you still look at him and say, can you develop under this guy? And worst case scenario, you got another QB that is a backup that could be a trade piece in the future, or he's the backup that's breathing down Justin's neck. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's, I know it's still really early and really like, early for us to be thinking about these ideas right now in week four before a game has even been played shows you kind of where things stand yeah. among, you know, everything with the bears. And that's an uncomfortable spot for this franchise to be in. But the idea that, you know, kind of bringing it back full circle to the comments yeah. that fields might have a couple more weeks, a couple more weeks to certainly prove himself because if he doesn't at some point, they can't continue on this stretch where, he's if he looks like he did week one two and three in weeks four five and six yeah you're getting to a point where they've got to collectively decide on how they're going to approach this and how they're going to even if they give fields kind of a week to reset i know that that's a weird thing to do and like it's i wouldn't even call it a benching but Going back to how he appeared yesterday and even after the game, you have somebody who is teetering on the edge of no return in yeah. terms of the confidence element, in terms of like he just came across as kind of broken and dejected. Yeah. And that's not just me saying that. You see people looking at that saying, what's wrong with Fields? Like he looks so upset and miserable up there. Yeah. And, you know, at some point you've got to, you've got to save the quarterback from falling off the cliff because you can't get him back at that point. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, he was, he was full on Cutler the other day. You know what I mean? Like that's, that felt like full on Cutler at the end of it. Hey Jay, you got to stop getting hit from the left side. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. You know, I don't, uh, let's keep this thing moving along though. It's tough. It's tough because I think the world believes in Justin Fields and it's slowly slipping away. And that's the part that sucks the most. Let's jump into the second quarter, though, because I think we have to look at, again, we're talking about the play caller. By the way, second quarter brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana. You can see John Mulaney and Pete Davidson at Hard Rock Live Friday, October 6th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Pete Davidson just popping up in shows, by the way, now. Like, he just kind of makes guest appearances on all these random shows now, ever since you were like, he does stuff. Yeah. Apparently he's like, I'm going to prove my haters wrong, including the one who does the Chicago Bears podcast. He's everywhere. It's, it's so weird. Since you said that, I'm like, I can't stop seeing Pete Davis. And I don't, I don't really want to see him this much. Uh, what will this week's game plan realistically tell us about who Luke Getze is? Because, I think the blueprints, if you can't see this blueprint, you're blind. Like like everyone in the world after what Miami did last week sees this blueprint. Oh, Roshan Johnson, every time you've given him the ball, has been a guy that's rushed between five and eight yards per carry this season. Like there's, it, it's such a writing on the wall game yeah. here. Could this spell, I mean, for Luke Getze, right? I guess not not so much the end, but just right understanding who he is as a play caller that maybe he's too tied to his system. The way that Miami dismantled Vance Joseph's defense, uh, like you just go to the the mix that they this was the 25th. They ranked 25th in rushing last year. Yeah. And 
this this group that Denver has, excuse me, that Miami has right now feels like a far cry from that group. They're efficient running the ball. Yeah. They have a lot of different runners, a lot of different running styles, and very effective at that. Like Devon Achan the other day, 18 carries for over 200 yards, and you mix Chris Brooks in there with nine carries and Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Like they they've done a really good job at making this what they need it to be. And the way that they wore down Denver's defense and continued to go to that, it showed at least to like a national audience. It's not just the Tua and Tyreek Hill, Tua and Tyreek Hill show. It's, it's an offense that can beat you a lot of different ways. Now, how does that translate to Chicago? They don't have the same weapons here, but it can very easily lead you to believe that Denver and how they're going to approach the bears. Like the bears have to pick apart the same elements of that defense that Miami did, because there's no reason to believe that it's all of a sudden going to be fixed that their run defense is all of a sudden going to turn the page. So yeah, you got to have a heavy dose of Khalil Herbert of Roshan Johnson. And the thing that's frustrating about the Roshan Johnson stuff, what did he have the other day? Like eight carries for 60 something yards. Uh, like something somewhere around there. The yeah. Majority of his carries came in the second half when they're down and they're running. And I remember Bruce like when they, ended up eight carries, 38 yards, yeah. four and a half or 4.8 yards per carry. And most of his, yeah, most of his production came in the second half when they like come out in the third quarter and they're running the ball like down 34 at that time <laughs> I was appalled, but I um like, it's just, it's just, it was so bizarre to see that. And I do think that if you can get the run game going earlier and there were moments in the first half, it felt like they were trending towards doing that, but they kept falling off and they kept getting behind the chains and they kept putting themselves in unfavorable second and third down positions that they had no choice, but to try to throw the ball. Like you can't, you cannot get off schedule as quickly as they do. And some of that has to do with what they do in those first 15 to 20 plays to get DJ Moore involved, to get yeah. Chase Claypool involved, like we saw with that 15-yard catch that Claypool had and then completely disappeared after that. Like There have been their moments, but I would imagine for Luke Getze, if anybody's feeling the heat, it's got to be him right now, yeah. just based on what the play call and what the play designs are, because you can tell people have access to the All-22. They can tell... <laughs> who's open downfield, what the route concepts are, if Justin's really missing all these throws, how he looks in the pocket. And that's a direct reflection on the position that the offensive coordinator is putting the quarterback in. Thursday night's going to be a night. Have you seen any of the Amazon Prime Thursday nights yet? Yeah, I've, wa- I've watched every- I've watched the last two weeks when they've it's been on It's going to be a Getsy nightmare because when they have the little tracker that like follows them around, it's like, this guy's open, this guy's open. It's just going to be like, Hey, Luke, why is there so much red on the field? But like, that's going to be the worst moment of his life if he keeps calling this offense. And I think with this going up against Denver, this is the one where it's like, and we heard Luke say, right? Like, I'm going to fit my scheme to what my players do. Prove it to me. Yeah, it hasn't looked like that at all so far. Like, we're, we're three weeks in. And the game plan here, whether we want fields to be the answer or not, I don't care what it is. You need a win. Mm-hmm. is turn around, hand the football off. They should have 25 to 30 runs between Khalil Herbert and uh, 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 Roshan Johnson. 
And maybe Justin Fields gets in on the mix on that as well, right? Like, but th- th- there's no way you can come into this game and say, listen, uh, we're trying to prove that he's a quarterback and we need to throw the football because that's not adjusting your scheme to what the team on the other side of the field is doing for you. No, and he definitely, like last week, when you know when he led the team in rushing again, it's just, it kind of feels like junk yards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff that doesn't yeah. actually matter, add up to anything. And of course, my brain goes to a place where you've got to think, okay, if he can't operate like we want him to operate at some point, then we, then they already know he's not yeah. the answer. They don't want a running quarterback. They don't. Right. Like that's, that's the default option no. when yeah. things are not good. And they don't want a repeat of last year. That was such a big storyline this offseason. Like, how can they make Justin Fields run less? Even Justin Fields said, you know, he wanted to win awards as a passer, not be, you know, constantly in the mix as like top rushing quarterback. That's not who he wants to be. So they've tried to make him into a traditional pocket passer in moments, but then that's taken away. It's a course corrected so far the other direction that that's taken away from the explosive runs that you've seen from him. And a lot of those are off script runs. They're not design runs. And I think we saw a couple of the design runs in the first half, but not that it really amounted to anything. And he is taking hits. Of course, the one down by the goal line was not a great hit. And he ended up exiting the game and then coming back in. That's what they're trying to avoid. But you've got to find ways, especially in the red zone, if you can ever get down there, to to scheme Justin Fields into the run game so he can be as dynamic as we know he is with yeah. his legs. Because that 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 just has not really in any situation that has not shown up. And I think just listen, it's so simple. Instead of screens, just give me slants. Give me slants over the middle. We're moving the chains. We're moving down. Now, Justin, you got to throw the slant. But we're moving down the field because the weirdest part about this Bears team, they've been in the red zone. This is crazy. Five times through three weeks, they've been in the red zone. They've scored on three of them. When they get in the red zone, their efficiency is 60%. You just got to move the football down the field. It doesn't matter how you do it. I get it. We want to know what the heck Justin Fields is. We want to know if we have the quarterback of our future. But at the end of the day, it all makes it a lot easier if you're winning football games. Yeah. And there's there's <laughs> no like there's no excuse anymore for them to keep trying to fit what they were doing the first three weeks to see if it'll work this week. The plan is obviously run the football against a Denver defense that has struggled and gave up a ton of yards the other day to 760, 26 of them to the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, Miami has a wild stat. Oh, by the way, Tua also had 309 yards. Mike White was two for two for 67 yards. Like, and I'm not expecting at any point that, you know, Roshan Johnson is like, you know, if you look at the stats from Miami the other day, like, Devon A. Chan, 11.3 yards per carry. Raheem Mostert, 6.3 yards per carry. Chris Brooks, 7.3. Like that averages out to where their entire running back room is averaging over (laughs) 8.1 yards per carry. That's great, but that's not realistic. But you don't have to, you don't have to have those sorts of numbers to be able to beat this Denver team. They've shown you defensively that like their personnel is not great. Their system is not that great. And, And we knew this with Vance Joseph. Like I'm not really sure why Sean Payton thought this was a great hire when you have somebody who gave up 44 points in the opener last year when he was with Arizona to the Chiefs. Um, He routinely, they were 31st in points last year. It's like big, big 
like, you know, gains allowed and it would give like 35 points, 31 points, 33 yeah. points. Or, like, you can make that happen against this defense because they have not shown you any sort of any sort of way around that. And if you're the Bears, this has to be the time where you're like, all right, we can actually beat this team. I don't think that I don't think last week that anybody was really given them, even internally, given them much of a shot to go no. down to Kansas City to to even stay competitive, like against the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a tall task. They knew it. They were, you know, their play reflected it. But this is a winnable opponent, even though things are so bad right now in Chicago. It's still a winnable opponent. They have the identical record that you have, and then. Two weeks from now, you face another team that has an identical record that you have in the Minnesota Vikings. Like, yeah. Take advantage of these opportunities um, because offensively, you're not going to get a test that's, I don't want to say easy because nothing has been easy with this team, but it's just it's just bad. It's bad. It's bad. I, the second Ryan Poles found out Taylor Swift was going to be at the game, he just started punching the air like Trey from Boys in the Hood. Like, it, it just went downhill at that point. <laughs> All right. Let's try and I, I gotta I gotta I, I we need a halftime segment here just to get a little bit of a breather on this. And I don't know if it makes me feel better because it's still in something that deals with our team affected by this, but Damian Lillard to the Bucks. What the heck's going on there, Courtney? That was unexpected. And I, Pat Riley yeah. didn't call him back. No, and that's <laughs> You know, I know there are a bunch of Heat fans who are like up in arms about this, and we know that Drew Holiday is not going to stay with the Portland Trailblazers. Miami yeah. is a point guard, so maybe they send him there. This, I mean, if you look at the return that like each team got, you know, I know Dame wanted to go to Miami, and he said that, and it's Milwaukee's very different, like, very different place. <laughs> but this is their way of ensuring for Giannis, because remember yeah. the big story this offseason was he's not going to sign the, the extension that he's eligible for, and his comments constantly, even though he says the same thing over and over again about wanting to stay with Milwaukee, he's not going to lock. He's smart. He's not going to lock himself into a place where he doesn't feel if they can't get back to what they did in 2021. Yeah, eventually he's going to want to go. So I don't. I don't see anything wrong with with that, but I also see this as Milwaukee's way of ensuring at least their commitment to Giannis that, hey, we are building a championship contender around you. But, you know, in the East, it just puts more pressure on a team like the Chicago Bulls, which I don't know if you had heard some of these rumors. Like the last couple days, like very loosely, it sounded like the team was like linked into Damian Lillard somehow, oh, yeah. some way. I don't. I heard it and I'm so locked in on the bears right now. So I, all right, I'll believe that when I see it. And of course it never rose to any sort of prominence where you had to give it credence, but like I, it makes, all right, the trade kind of, you, I'm going to look at it from a number of different ways. Suns don't have draft picks. We know that because of the Kevin Durant trade, they also don't have any depth. So getting Nurkic, getting Grayson Allen, getting Nasir little Keon Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't have any draft picks. Like you might as well get those guys who, you know, some on expiring contracts, some, you know, young enough where you can still like fit them in your system as role players behind Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and uh, Chris Paul. Like, or not Chris Paul. Um, Bradley Devin, Beal. Bradley Beal. Yeah, because again, Chris Paul's not the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I'll move it here. Like, it's smart for them to somehow to get themselves looped in here, and then you know, the Blazers in their spot, as we just mentioned, with Drew Holiday probably not going to be there long. That's yeah. a trade candidate. But if DeAndre Ayton wants to like 
be DeAndre Ayton, like the good version of him, not the one who's like sometimes checked in, sometimes checked out. Not the one that got shut down by Maxi Kleba in a playoff game. Is not that one? They only got one first round pick for this. And that's, and there's two pick swaps, but remember all the posturing this off season of, Oh no, like they're not going to, they're not trading Damian Lillard for anything more, anything less than like multiple first round picks. Yeah. I, I think this was the best that they could do. And having a third team involved to be able to move some of those contracts, it makes sense. I don't really know why the Bucks would want to help Milwaukee or the, why Milwaukee would want to help the Suns considering or like, you know, even vice versa on that. But it's um, it's it's definitely the blockbuster type of move that nobody was expecting at this point. I know the season starts in a couple of weeks. Yeah. James Harden still with the Philadelphia 76ers. I saw he was at a party the other day and had a sign <laughs> that the bottle girls were holding up and said, Daryl Morey's a liar. So he's still on that train. But if you're looking at the East right now, and if, I mean, the Bulls like should feel like none, none of this affects them because they're already a bad team to begin with. And they didn't do anything this offseason. Yeah. God, if you're Miami, you're like sweating this one out. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I was uh, I did locked on Bulls yesterday, and we're just sitting here, and we're just like, all right, like go get Drew Holiday. It makes sense. Maybe they just uh, I don't know what the Blazers want out of this. Like you got DeAndre Ayton, and I get weirdly enough, that's the team kind of that I was like, I'd love to see Dame with a big man that could play in pick and roll and just go get the ball when he throws it up there. Now, right, Anthony Simons and uh. Shaden Sharp will get to take advantage of that scoot as well, right? Like, but it's just such a weird situation now because I just look at the East and I'm like, all right, we got the Bucks, we got uh, we got Boston, Boston, Cleveland, like, maybe, and then I'm like, the rest of us just are floundering right now. Like, there's not a lot of, like, I, I don't care what anybody says, I have no hope in Atlanta, zero hope in the Atlanta. I have more hope, I have more faith in the Knicks right now than I do in Atlanta. Yeah. And, and so it's just like the East is kind of, is this the time where Damian Lillard can go out there and get a ring at a minimum? I give Milwaukee credit for finally going, no, we're not going to let you Kareem Abdul your way, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar your way out of here. We're going to go get magic and bring him to you. You can't leave us. We've done this already. It took us a million years to get back. Yeah. I just, NBA is going to be interesting this year. I can't wait for the season to start. I love, I, I love my Bulls. I just, I hear day, I hear uh, uh, Demar Derozan go. I want to finish my career here, and I'm like, that'd be cool. We're not going to win much, are we? <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to get a lot of wins in the in this span. We're not going to get a lot of playoff wins, I should say. I don't know, man. Unfortunately, we got to jump back into this. I do uh, I do want to get your thoughts on uh, the health of this team heading into the game as we jump into the third quarter. We saw that they signed a uh, player off the off the uh, Vikings practice squad. Um, I mean, where's this team at health-wise heading into this game? I think that is the one thing that you – I know we don't want to, but we still have to take into account when playing these games is that, listen, yes, the system looks terrible, but we're also dealing with a lot of backup pieces in this system right now. Yeah. Where, are this bear, where are the Bears health-wise heading into this game? Secondary is in rough shape right now. So yeah. Eddie Jackson still dealing with the foot injury. Like He was DNP on Wednesday. Jalen Johnson has a hamstring injury. We know that. Josh Blackwell has had a hamstring injury. Now apparently he reaggravated it, and though all three of those guys were out yesterday, Tyreek Stevenson did like did return to practice, and he was in full capacity. They said that he has an illness, so anything like concussion related from 
the game Sunday, which he was taken initially in the concussion protocol, but then was um, apparently like they said that that doesn't matter anymore. It was all illness. So this situation is why they went and poached Joan Williams off yeah. of the Vikings practice squad and signed him to the 53 because their depth is terrible right now. And they've got to anticipate if you're out, you know, you're starting, you know, one of your starting outside corners in Jalen Johnson and Josh Blackwell, who, you know, was playing the nickel for you, then you're down to the Greg Strowman's of the world. And now this Joan Williams, who you're expecting, I guess, to come in here after a couple of days um, and put himself in a situation where he might be playing considerable snaps against the Denver yeah. Broncos. It's not a great situation right now at all for the secondary. And you're Russell Wilson. Look, like I know that they had this struggle bus last week and really defensively it's where, you know, Denver's biggest problems were like Russell Wilson was not by and large their biggest problem. Like he was 23 of 38 for 308 yards through a touchdown and an interception. That's not a great stat line, but he's still savvy enough to where he can actually make those plays on the run. He can actually like put a When's the last time Justin Fields had a 300 yard passing game like that? You know what I mean? Like even with like an interception uh, in there and if I'm not like, mistaken, I don't believe Justin Fields has had a 300 yard passing game yet. Like that's the thing. Like so if you're Matt Eberflus calling this defense knowing that you're facing somebody who at least at one point, I don't know how this is going to affect things, but at least yeah. at one point was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Not a great situation when you're secondary, which is supposed to be the strength of this team, is as banged up as it is, and you still can't get a pass rush off. And I, I that's the frustrating part to me. And I asked him about this on Wednesday, just how he hopes to handle that. Like, it's not acceptable to have one quarterback, set, one sack, and yep. have the lowest sack percentage, and you're not, you're, you know, you have nine quarterback hits, which is, again, the lowest in the NFL. They're not close. I know they keep telling you that they're close. They're not no. close. So you can't get pressure up front. You're going to be giving Russell Wilson all day. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. And then your secondary, which is down a bunch of pieces, is going to have to deal with that. There's great. so there's there's so much where it's uh, if somebody put together a list of like just guys who have more sacks individually than the Bears have total on the season, and it just speaks to. You, you again, like I said with him at the press conference, you have no answers. You don't know, right? Like, listen, at a minimum, I would think as the DC, you would be able to say, okay, I know how to fix this. I know how I need to adjust here. It didn't seem like it in week three. And that was just second week calling the plays. Week one, I get you. Or week two, I get you, right? Surprised with the whole Allen Williams situation. You're not prepared to just step in and call plays. Now it's on you. Okay, now I got to call plays. I got to flip my brain back. Week three, you knew what you were up against. You knew that your team couldn't get pressure. And you still sat there, played soft cover two, left the middle of the field wide open, brought no pressure, did nothing to bring any more pressure. I mean, like, I get it. Your system, your scheme doesn't blitz a lot. This entire scheme is built on getting pressure from your front four, but they're not getting it. They need help. And it can't just be, well, you know, we just got to keep punching away at it. Yeah, that's the kind of mindset that gets coaches fired quickly. There really haven't been any adjustments for for more than a year now. And no. you can see all of the play breakdowns. I know that you and I have talked about it. Players on other teams that I've spoken to who say that they know exactly what's coming at them because the scheme is very predictable and it's very yeah. basic. There's not a lot of this guy, this guy's looks, certainly any sort of eye candy that, you know, the other teams are throwing at them seems to throw them off. 
Um, and they're not getting pressure with their front four. Like that's a problem. And you can say, oh, it's chemistry. We need to like rush together. Four is one. Like miss me with that because it isn't working. And it's all lip service at this yeah. point. You've had enough time. If we if they keep giving you, we just need to be together, continuity, chemistry, that's bullshit, Pat. Like at this point, like that is a sorry excuse. And you should have it by now. And at that point, it shows you, you have talented players. You just guaranteed Unique Ngakwe over $10 million to be here. You paid for Demarcus Walker in free agency. You brought in Andrew Billings, who has been the best defensive lineman that they have so far. And then you, ha- you spent two you know, draft picks, two day two draft picks on Zach Pickens and Jervon G- Dexter. Like, it's not the personnel. It really isn't. And I know Matt Eberflus kind of took the, the easy way out when I asked him that yesterday, saying, oh, it's both. It's personnel and it's players. No, like yeah, yeah. this is a scheme thing. You've got to bring pressure and you've got to manufacture pressure if you can't get it with your front four. Because at one point last year, Alan Williams was doing that to the best that he could. And that required Jaquan Brisker to become to play much closer to uh, the line of scrimmage than yeah. than you might expect from your safety. And unfortunately, that's probably what they're going to have to do. And I, I think I think here's the thing with it all, right? Like, I'm not asking you to change your scheme forever. I'm asking you to adjust your scheme to the situation that you're in now. You want to know who does that? Good head coaches, good play callers. I Like, mm-hmm. you can't sit here. I, I look at the, the number one thing that I've always looked at is John Harbaugh and how he adjusted how he thought everything about offense to Lamar Jackson, who walked in the building and was like, no, but I can run. Like the entire mindset of everything that they did with the Baltimore Ravens shifted because of the player that now was in the building. I'm not asking you to change what you believe forever. I'm asking you to change what you believe because of the four guys you have on the field right now in the front can't get pressure on the quarterback. I'm not even asking you to get cute with it. Heck, on the offensive side, I don't even want you to get cute with it. I actually want you to be more simple. Hand the ball off to Roshan and Khalil and throw it to DJ Moore. It gets no simpler than that. It's And I get, right, like, I was, I was reaching out to people. I'm like, I need to get a former number one wide receiver on here because, mm-hmm. like, there's a mindset that goes into I'm the number one, you have to get me the ball no matter what, that for some reason isn't happening here in Chicago. And I just, I, I think that both sides of the football, you see the lack of creativity, you see the lack of adjustment and you see the, la- and, and it's not adjustment to the game itself, just the adjustment to the personnel you have. If you got Tommy Harris in the middle, I love it. Run, run, blip, send four all day. We don't have Tommy Harris. We've got Javon Dexter and Andrew Billings right now. <laughs> That's, and, that's a tough spot to be in. You brought up something, too, when we keep talking about this on the other side of the ball with DJ Moore. Like, why is he only being targeted, you know, what was it, against the, against uh, the Chiefs? Like, against the Chiefs, he got targeted. Six times. Six times. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, he's at the bottom. Chase Claypool at four. Like, why aren't you targeting him more? And yeah. Matt Eberflus will always say, we got to get the ball to our skill. we got to get the ball to our skill. And then I honestly think there's kind of a cop-out from Justin Fields, the way he talks about it, that, you know, you guys are going to complain about me not getting the ball to DJ Moore, and then next week it's going to be Chase Claypool, and then why isn't it? I heard we, that. You know, there's, we got to spread the love around. Okay, that's fine. We all know. Like, I don't want to hear this one more time. We all know that great receivers, great playmakers are going to see multiple defenders. You know what? You force the ball their way if you have to. Do you think that Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson 
haven't worked through this before. The early years that Jefferson was there, Kirk was not throwing, targeting him enough until there came a point where it's like, you have to kind of like put all that other stuff aside and get your best playmakers. And that's on play calling too. put them in position to where even if they do, if they are facing cloud coverage, bracket coverage, whatever yeah. it is, put them in position to give themselves an opportunity because you can't, that's such a faulty excuse at this point where it doesn't feel like, you know, Oh, it's not possible anymore because sorry, like he, you know, the best receivers, you don't think Tyreek Hill faces yeah. multiple defenders every single game. You don't think that Devonte Adams faces like, stop. That's such yeah. a lazy excuse. And that has to be the first thing that they do to try to get this thing on track. And I think here's the here's here's the thing, right? Here's here's my biggest thing with all of it. He talked about uh, with Justin Fields' comments. He said, "If I get 15 targets to DJ, you're gonna guys are gonna complain I didn't get a ball enough to yeah. chase. If I get 15 to chase, you're gonna complain I didn't get a ball enough to Cole. Get 15 to anybody, and I'll stop complaining. I think anybody. There would. were 20 targets in that game, and it goes to Getsy too. It goes to Getsy too. But there were 20." targets in the last game in the last game i almost can give you a little bit more okay the play caller did a horrible job because nobody was open the chiefs literally had you on lock like you had nowhere to to force the football into in that situation without a turnover being the more likely outcome but through three weeks, I haven't seen you give 15 targets to anybody. No, they haven't. I think the most was like eight last week uh, in Tampa, Tampa Bay game <laughs> against DJ Moore. So it's that's that excuse that content that continued excuse is not going to fly anymore if yeah. that if that trend continues because great receivers on other teams aren't facing that same thing. And that's more of an indictment on you don't think your quarterback can make those throws or you don't feel like you can scheme that person open. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think, let me, I got to check this too. Because even as bad as it, you're giving him the same amount of targets as Terry McLaurin is getting. Mm -hmm. That's what you're giving DJ more. You're giving him the same amount of targets as, as less targets than Cole Turner out in Washington. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's Stefan Diggs got 12 targets last week. Like that, that. DJ Moore, I don't I don't want to hear about anybody else other than DJ Moore. He's your best playmaker. He's your best player on offense. Above the quarterback, above everybody else. He's the most important player you have on offense. You don't make this trade if you don't believe that. And they clearly do. He should have no less than 10 targets a game. Like double digits. Like there will be a couple games where he has so much attention added to him that he won't be able to like turn those targets into catches. But then that should open up guys like Cole Komet on, you know, some, some throws over the middle of the field and Darnell Mooney on some underneath routes and Chase yeah. Claypool. Like I, it's so, I hate this one dimensional aspect. Like, Oh, well, you know, if he's tart, if he's covered, like we, you know, passing game can't exist. That's, that's not, that's why you have three other receivers or two other receivers and 11 personnel and you have a tight end to utilize and yeah. you have a running back. If all else fails that you can, you know, either hand the ball off to or throw a screen to. It's so it's such a joke. And I think here's this just hit like thinking about that quote. I literally just like this just hit me right here. They're too worried about. I hear this every single week, but we got to think about how this guy feels on this. We got to talk about how these, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's involved. We, no, you don't. You know what good football teams do? They don't worry about how guys who aren't their number ones feel. 
They don't, I don't worry, think, they don't I don't worry think about it has how, anything to do with like them worried about like, oh, Chase Claypool is going to be upset. I think it's that they physically cannot do it. That's at least what they're telling you. Like, I, I don't think they yeah. really care. Like, oh, like we have to spread it around because what Justin was saying there, he wasn't saying that players are going to be upset about. They saying, oh, well, then you guys, the media, big bad media, you guys are going to ask me how come you aren't targeting Claypool? Like, how yeah. come you aren't targeting Mooney? They are not worried about anybody's feelings. I realistically do not think that they are capable of getting their best playmaker involved. And that's a massive indictment on the quarterback and on the coaching staff. Oh, yeah. It's it's bad. I mean, 20 targets in a game. 20 targets in a game is insane. Hey, let's... uh. Let's finish it off here, Courtney. We got a uh, we got the uh, the Dirty Bowl coming up here on Sunday, fourth quarter. What's your what's your prediction for this? Is this going to be a six to nothing finish that the Bears grind out a way to win, and then like Matt Eberflus is there and be like, "It's good to get one." Now we got to build on it. Like, is that what we're heading towards here? <laughs> I don't think either team will score twenty points. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I mean, the Bears are not favored at home in this game, and yeah. Vegas is telling you something that we already know that they believe that this is the worst team in football. And right now, they've done nothing to prove that to the contrary. But I will say, because it can't possibly get worse than this, if it's seventeen, and like I. I I kind of reserve the right to change like my thoughts <laughs> on this because they've done nothing to show you that they like, I shouldn't even be picking the bears here, but it's like, yeah. I'm thinking about people's jobs. I'm thinking about how it can't possibly get worse than it is. If it's 17, 14 bears, I, I you know, hang your hat on it. Yay. They got to win, but they have not won a game Pat since October 22nd, yep. 2022. That's 340 something, you know, 330 something days. Like, that's crazy yeah. how long it's been. And I'm not, Denver's shown me nothing to really have a whole ton of confidence in. Sean Payton's the architect of this mess right here. And I can't see a situation that if it's not, if the Bears are 0 4 and it looks like it did last week and the week before, that there aren't some sort of changes, like whether it's, you know, and not, not even pointing to like Justin Fields here, but yeah. like, I think that that if they're zero and four, it's going to put them in a really tough spot going on a short week with Washington, um, where the heat. Like, I'll res- I'll take that back. I don't know if the changes is probably the wrong word, but the heat is going to be turned up to like a very noticeable temperature. Yeah. So let's say seventeen, fourteen Bears, and that they can finally figure because like they know like what they're doing right now is not working, and I know that you don't really get a lot from Luke Getzey at these press conferences where he like will kind of cop to any sort of the changes that he expects to happen, but. Let's just go off of what we talked about. They need to get DJ more the ball. They need yeah. to get their playmakers like involved on offense because if that offense is getting booed in the third quarter the way that they did a couple weeks ago, like this is not sustainable. No, hundred percent. I've I've got it. I've got it. Twenty one seventeen. I do have the Bears finally getting three touchdowns in a game. Uh, I think they that, should run. Uh, they should run the hell out of the ball. They should, oh, yeah. should be, this should be a three hour game one. because they are running the ball as effectively as we know that they can. Yeah, I, it, it, Roshan and Khalil each have one in my mind. I think Justin gets a passing touchdown. I think that they just they they pound the rock and because here's the one thing when Justin made his comments last week. It was kind of already too late to say, okay, we're going to make a massive change to our game plan. I think you may get to see more of Justin playing freely, uh, as he put it, uh, less robotic. But I still think that that's a 
that's just a staying the uh, holding off the waters with the dam for a little bit longer, right? Because to me, this is something that, okay, now we have to kind of change things to make you feel more comfortable and, and make you fit our game plan. That's not a two week fix. That's a season long, probably fix. And maybe by the end of the season, he feels finally comfortable, but like you're changing everything that you've already implemented, which fine, none of it's working, mm-hmm. but I just, I think that, You'll see a little bit more free play. I think that the the uh, uh, Denver Broncos are that bad. Uh, and listen, if they aren't, and Sean Payton comes into Soldier Field and kicks your butt, and you go zero and four, I I agree with you. the the uh, The heat on this team is going to be massive because I think at that point, even the national media will say, "All right, listen, it's time to start calling." People for will jobs. start calling for changes at yes. that point. Not necessarily translating to anything because again i don't think that they're going to start firing coaches or like changing who's calling the plays but then then like you know they already are facing adversity adversity they've admitted as much they're already know they already know they have to like batten down the hatches because the outside noise is getting loud like it's going to be like even worse next week if they lose that game and they have to go on the road to washington and you know they're scheduled the next couple of weeks it's Denver, Washington, Minnesota, Vegas, like any other team is in that situation thinking, wow, like we, we're, this is breaking nice for us, but yeah. not for this team that can't even get out of its own way enough to, to not have a 34 point deficit at halftime Yeah, and a very that, average day from what the other quarterbacks doing in Patrick Mahomes. You better figure it out here quick. I guess like right, you're going from the best team in football to if the you're worst? not the worst, they are the worst. Let's see if you can get a win. (laughs) Let's see if you can get a win. Appreciate you for another week, Courtney. We will, uh, we'll see how this all shapes out heading into next week, heading into Sunday. As always, it's your boy, Pat, the designer back at it again. Drop a bear down in the comments below. Hit that like button. If, uh, if you're here going through all this pain with us, y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. One love. Peace.